This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood. For BF Goodrich, celebrating 150 years. Hello and welcome to Real Adventures for BF Goodridge celebrating 150 years in the tyre industry. BF Goodridge will be there to drive you on your next on or off-road adventure. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hapgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Good morning, Redmond. Good morning, Patrick. How are you? I'm excellent. You're fresh off. We spoke a little bit about it last week, but fresh off some phenomenal fishing. It's been a little tricky with the weather this week. Let's face it, it's been putrid. Weather has been. I don't. I don't know how we can have. What was it? Thirty-eight and forty degrees, and then back down to twenty the next day. Which is Melbourne in its finest form. You've had Port Welsh pool in its finest form, though. You put out a, uh, a little teaser video on YouTube, uh, and you can find that on the Salt Guide YouTube. Um, yep. Channel search channel. Um, phenomenal. Crazy trip. It's uh, We did speak about it last week, but if you do want to get a look at it, like you said, watch the video, Paddy. It will take you to a place that you wouldn't think that is here in Victoria. Green landscape, crystal clear blue water. Like The boys went in swimming. I, I, don't, I didn't swim. I didn't, water's too wet for me. But the boys went in, had their <laughs> daily shower, and... Uh, Oh, like I don't even explain it. Just watch the video. You'll see some phenomenal fishing, like the kingfish. We got fish up to that 10 kilo, lots of them. We also managed to feed a flathead on the way back in, which we cooked for dinner that night. We literally lived on the boat for the, the night, well, well, two day and a half, you'd say, and then we fished oh, and wow. fished you're, and fished. You're almost a professional angler, a whole, whole night and a half. Yeah, well, you try sleeping on a six-meter boat with three blokes hugging each other. <laughs> <laughs> I need the six fifty hardtop. I, I did. I know the seven fifty. I did it for nine days. I know in you did. Group. It was a night. No, it was wonderful, but it was a nightmare. I don't look. I didn't get sick of it at all. But the next night, I reckon, I reckon Jamison would have to help. Speaking of the Jamison, guess what? As of Monday, clean sweep for me. I'm having a month no alcohol for alcohol free. I'm starting running back Monday, and then really? I'm only going to drink. I don't drink a hell of a lot, but I'm only going to drink my alcohol on special occasions. You going to be proud of me? Well, if you get through it. <laughs> do, you, do you reckon two days on the boat together with three blokes is too much time to get comfortable? Because one thing I found, <laughs> and it was, it, was, it was terrible how comfortable everyone got in their own company by the end of it. The only place to sort of uh, do your business as you will when we circumnavigated Groot was Groot Island for those playing at home. Um, was to stand on the the back marlin board and then just let it drift away. And by the end of the sort of nine days, we filmed for nine days straight, all the gear, everyone, there was seven in the crew. Like, you didn't even care that people were watching. It people was, knew you had freckles that they didn't know before. It, it didn't even, like, it didn't even compute nor register. And you realised 
you are almost the nothing that separates you and the animals now. Well, because because <laughs> it's it's you've gotten that comfortable that you're happy to take a dump in front of people, almost having their morning cup of tea. And it it's too far. I dropped the boys on the beach, and they went into the bush and did it. I thought you were talking about. Anyway, we need to move <laughs> past this. No, speaking of we're, trips... We're bogging down in something that we shouldn't be <laughs> We've always said, Jesus, the most important thing to have on a boat other than the engine and the boat itself is a pie warmer. You know how much I love the pie warmer? I thought you were still on the sort of... No, we're getting away from that situation we're in. I was going to argue with you and say, no, it's not. Toilets are the worst <laughs> thing in the world to have in a boat because if you take a crap on a boat just stays in the there. toilet, you have to clean it. Let's we're, we're into a pie warmer now because this uh, while we're still on it. You know, I, <laughs> I nearly, <laughs> I nearly sank a boat that I had because the the toilet backed up on itself. It was plumbed, and it was plumbed pretty pretty well <laughs> because it was plumbed Why to the I, ocean. Uh, it, it it backed up, and obviously the valve. Failed. Just sucked in start, water. It sucked in water. They can be dangerous. Well, it, well, it, well, was. They, yeah, they, it was. It was when I was half sinking. <laughs> Go back to There's the only one worst time after I've been in there. I'm done with toilets and poos. You know what I think about them on boats. It's, okay. it's, a, no, it's a no go. I'm going to my pie warmer. Shitty stuff. <laughs> uh, pie warmers are the best thing on, on a boat. And if you are looking for a Facebook group, <laughs> type in pie warmer, type in Travel Buddy 12 volt oven recipes and tips. It'll be the best thing. This has really tickled you during the week, hasn't it? Uh, you, you liked it as well. <laughs> You've got uh, Gareth has posted on the group and on Monday, so a week ago roughly, chicken palmy pie in the pie warmer. Puff pastry base, cooked chicken schnitzel, layer of cooked onion, layer of cooked bacon bits, layer of sauce, tomato paste, garlic, barbecue sauce and chilli, puff pastry on top, 150 degrees for about two hours, then up to 180 for 20 minutes. With how well my... Oh, that's inc- that's Look at that. You've got to make sure you've got your, your electronics, you know, well <laughs> organised because two hours on some of the boats that I've been out on with an electric pie warmer... And you're not getting home because the battery. <laughs> the ba- <laughs> There's no oh, isolator yeah. switch, and the battery would be no good. Do it when you're trolling for tuna, where the engine's not actually <laughs> off. But I've no, because I've got the the dual battery system, and you've got the VRS system on it too. So I've actually been running it on. But the only problem is when you're stationary, it just doesn't push out the power. I've never had luck with with using pie warmers in a boat. I've always gone with it's easier to use cook cooked things. Yeah reheating them rather yep. than trying to cook something from, from scratch because it's just a nightmare. I tried it with sausage rolls once. No like, good. Oh, it was... Yeah. <laughs> I, you were with me. We almost... like uh, You had to bring them out. It was like a soup in the end. We, my, I forgot to take... I forgot to take two or three pies out a little while ago and we've been cooking on top of it since and I've got one rule is I don't go in the cabin because I don't like the feeling of being in a cabin and the yeah. boys have just been constantly putting... You talk about how... I've never been seasick. Well, you never go in the cabin to get seasick. Yeah, because so. it's stupid to go in there. But the boys have been putting it... They just kept putting it on top. And I'm like, something's definitely burning in there. The other day we were at home and I pulled out three pies that were that charcoal. Like, I don't know how it didn't cause a fire because they must have been there for like three <laughs> to five trips. So clean your pie warmer out. But anyway, that was a good little story there, Patrick. Um, can I give you a little, little bit of a quiz? When you think of Lebanon, what do you think of? I don't know much about Lebanon, to be honest truth. I tell you what you don't think about. You don't think about black marlin, and there's been a 770-pound black marlin, which is the first ever caught off the region. Um, 
now I'll be I'll preface this with I don't have a huge amount of uh, experience when it comes to fishing in Lebanon, so it could be one of the great fisheries. But when I think about it now, I don't think about it fishing. But clearly, it's one of the great sort of uh, fishing destinations. Redmond seven hundred and seventy pounds. Well, they're saying that it either went around the Cape of Good Hope and hugged the African coastline all the way into the Mediterranean, or went through the Suez Canal, which that's a treacherous bit of water. So. It's lost. <laughs> that's all I've got for well, you. That's, you know that's happened in Adelaide. When I was yeah, I, I originally remember. playing in Adelaide, there was one that washed up. I think it was on West Beach. And it was a bit like last time I checked, Chief, I think you're in the wrong destination because apart from whining and not many snapper, <laughs> we don't get your sort of – we don't get your your type here. Now, before we head into the break, let's get to your week in fishing. It's been Miserable. Some, somewhat of a disrupted mm. one given how horrific the weather's been. But there's always places where you can go fishing when the weather's crap. And whether that's inland chasing trout or you're sticking closer to the bay or, you know, quite close into shore. What have you hit this week, Redmond? We, it was pretty miserable. I had a couple. I did have. I had this. Actually, the Australia Day long weekend was beautiful. So that whole Cracking. weekend was fantastic. It was a really beautiful good. weekend that people had off. It couldn't have been better, but I had to, I had it off to be honest with you. I stayed at home with the family and the friends. We actually went to a couple of a couple of bars with a boy. Actually had a good time to be honest with you over the weekend. And then very crowded on the water though. So the fishing was affected by the boat traffic and the calm water. Yep. So it was quite hard to fish. It was not that easy to fish. Uh, but then all of a sudden Victoria does what it does and produces 35 knot easterlies and westerlies and south easterlies and northwest south easterlies, like just as all random things. And it made it hard to get out. But if you can do the right things and get that wind and tide together, you can get the whiting. So I had two days in the whiting and they fished really, really well because the swell came up and the dirty water pushed in and the smaller tides because we had the moon, but it still fished well. And then it was a couple of days you could get out on the tuna if you really wanted to. I had a couple of mates who went out in the rough on the Wednesday. They did really well off Bowen Heads. And the key word there is the rough. Yep. So over the Australia Day long weekend, they had there was hundreds and hundreds of people out, Pat, chasing these tuna. And the tuna were everywhere on the surface. They were everywhere. People were seeing them. The Spiros got them. But no one caught them. Very minimal people were lucky enough to catch them. They're not in Jez's boat because Jez is a little, little bit flat at the moment, Jez. I haven't he's, saw, he's, he's, he didn't even give me a message or anything, Jez. He's nearly on the uh, He's made his way down from Sydney thinking... <laughs> You know, I'm on to greener pastures in greater fishing, and it, it hasn't been great for the great man so far. Red's Instagram looks better than what it is. Yep, <laughs> poor, poor, poor Jez. He went out. He actually chased him for a couple of days, didn't he? He did the ath- the outdoor athlete. Well, maybe he should stick to indoors because he, <laughs> he hasn't been. He's he been a bit flat. He's caught enough from the big fella. He's been a bit flat. He's got a sore string to go with it. The poor guy. <laughs> Say that. Sorry, Can't sorry, talk sorry, about sorry. that. Sorry. But anyway, the fish were so tough. The tuna were so finicky. But the wind, rough weather came and the tuna started biting, which was awesome. So you've got to pick your times. When there's thousands of boats out there trying to do the same thing that you are, yes, I understand everyone wants to get out, but it's not the time where you might get lucky and you might pull four fish out of it. But on averages, it's going to be hard to get fish. So I fished in that rougher weather and we got some nice fish. Now, this time last year, was when I got back from my hot my, week, my long weekend and I got a phone call that the tuna were there, hard to catch. So for those that are listening and thinking the tuna are too hard to catch, it was exactly the same this time last year. It was exactly the same. The numbers are there. There's massive schools of them there. 
They've pushed further west towards your place, actually, Pat. They've pushed a bit further west. And that, to be honest with you, they're spread right out. They're everywhere. They're from Malacuda right down to Portland and, and further. So they are everywhere. If you head down to Portland, they're going to be easier to catch. Polo Bay are probably going to be easy to catch. Out, We don't know why they're so hard to catch out, out of the heads. We don't know that. But in the coming months, it got more consistent, more consistent, more consistent. It just got better and better and better. So don't put the rods away yet if you haven't caught a fish. Head out in, and, and give it a go because it's gonna. the, the traffic on the water is going to ease. Uh, I can now drive to the supermarket back to two minutes instead of 15. So it's going to ease on the on the water as well. So hang in there, get your bungee casts ready and your lures and get ready to go out there and catch a tuna in the next month or so. Uh, speaking of the next month or so, COVID safe boat shows have been confirmed this year. So far, yep. And, and this is obviously all has the the potential to change as we've seen with, with COVID, but Brisbane and Sydney have been confirmed. Um Will Melbourne go ahead? That's what we're sort of we're all waiting on. I, I mean, took uh, Will out, the CEO of Mercury, uh, last week on the Friday, and I asked him that question: "What's your thoughts on it?" And his honest answer was to do with stock and whatnot, like boats. They're going to you're basically not going to get. No one can get a boat built because of the demand in boating at the moment. So it, it's it's funny. Like you think about demand in boating, you think about the demand in the caravan industry. Caravan industry. Six months ago, the caravan industry. Half shot. <laughs> it, it was under so much pressure. You know, it had been a really down few years. It had been terrific. And then all of a sudden, the past 24 months had been really tough for the industry. And then in the last four months, you cannot get anything. Mm. No. You can't buy anything off the shelf. If you do, you're waiting, you're waiting half a year to get it in. And you look at what the used caravan segment, the used car segment is doing at the moment. It's unbelievable. You've got dealerships that are actually, they're getting their vans in and then they're putting them on the second hand, um, in their second hand sales region and they're actually upping the price on what a new uh, caravan retails for. We've seen this with Suzuki dealers, with the Suzuki Jimmy. We're seeing <laughs> they're more expensive second hand. So it's a, it's a fascinating little period we're in at the moment where... Boating industry is going nuts. The caravan industry is going nuts. The travel is just happening within Australia. So all of these destinations that's been hammered by, whether it be the the fires that we experienced last year or the fact that we can no longer travel interstate, it's just can it's it is going and will continue to go berserk. So for those that are thinking that a few boats are being sold extra, just to put you in a bit of perspective, now this is the New South Wales stat: twenty one thousand three hundred sixty seven new boat licenses. Are on, it's up 52% from any other year. Yeah, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Like, it's a massive 21,000 people. That's a that's a lot of people buying boats, and oh, I think it's great for the industry. It's great for, for our, my business, our business, and it's also great for people that are staying in Australia to support what we have now that we've lost over the last, what, with fires. Ooh. It's tough to get a bargain at the moment, though. That's the real challenge. You're really having to wade through. If you're in the second-hand market at the moment... A 20-grand boat's now worth 50. The, and that's the, not even a joke. The prices are a premium, and you really don't want to be stuck in a bidding war for a second-hand boat when... At different stages, depending on how much it's been used, like they've all got their little issues that they have. So, we're going to discuss um, that next week, Redmond, and go in depth around purchasing secondhand, the do's and don'ts, and what you really need yep. to look for because there's plenty of hidden traps out there that 
you know, you, you purchase something you think is going to bring you a lifetime of joy and it can turn into a nightmare. Anyway, we've got to go to a break. Up next is The Social Club. You're listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodridge. And don't forget to download the new Real Adventures app. It has all our latest podcasts, fishing news, tips and recipes. You're listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodridge, celebrating 150 years. Welcome back to Real Adventures for BF Goodridge, celebrating 150 years. It's time for The Social Club, where we take your messages from social media, your direct uh, messages, if you like, if you're on Instagram. But it's easy to do it on the app, Pat. It is, so make sure you download our Real Adventures app, and Aaron and I will answer any and all questions Try and keep him PG um, throughout the social club segment. First one is from William Redman. Yep. R- Red, you caught the ferry over from Queenscliff to Sorrento to head to Port Welshpool last week. Do you mind me asking the cost of it to take your six-meter boat as I have the same size? Was it worth it? It was expensive. You've you got say deep that. pockets. <laughs> no, Will, it... But the reason we did, I live in Ocean Grove, so therefore Queensland's only 10 or 12 minutes from me. And to go around around Melbourne, it was going to add an extra sort of 45 minutes to my trip. No, mate, you were wrong. Actually, no, maybe they've, they've changed the roadworks on the bridge. It, it would have actually taken you an extra two or three days. <laughs> you said the worst case. Actually, two, I didn't know about it until you said it. Two or three days. <laughs> it's ridiculous. What were they doing? I don't know. I'm building a, I'm building a new bridge. Well, they're building a new bridge. It actually scares me that they're working on a bridge that is over lots of water. <laughs> Doesn't scare me as long as the the bloody oh, you, oh how long it took to get across it. How what long did it take you to get across it? I'm still going, mate. <laughs> still going. I'm on the phone here. <laughs> Would you do it? Is it worth? It's a great experience. Like uh, for those that haven't actually been on the Queenscliff Ferry to Sorrento, or vice versa the other way, it's fantastic. It's it's really really good. It's really good if you didn't catch it every day for eight years to go to work. Yeah, but no, I'm joking. This is not I'm, all joking. About you. I'm joking. No, it is a cool thing to see. You see dolphins on there. You pass the seals. Running on the coast of Portsea along that side, it's awesome. It's a beautiful stretch of water. It's so clear. Queenslift's quite on the dirtier side of things, where uh, the nicer side of the bay, as they call it, the posh side of the bay. Oh, yes, that side. You, have, you can't you can't rock up there unless you have got a red wine and a pair of Ray Brands on to get off the ferry. That's the rule. So you've got to actually and Range Rover. <laughs> well, I got let off. So. Philip, get the Range Rover. Lindsay Fox has a helicopter that parks to his two houses on the water there. You know, let's go to yet. this question. We're getting way off track. Yes, it is worth catching the ferry. It cha- it saves Actually, a lot. It of- hasn't been good for getting <laughs> off topic today. We've done We're, that a bit. It, it saves a hell of a lot of time on the way back. I said, well, because we got to the ramp and we pulled the boat out of the water, and the boys were like, oh, we'll tidy up here. I said, no, we'll do it on the ferry. So for us to go on the ferry, it's that hour. It's forty five minutes, but forty five minutes we spent. We just cleaned the boat. We packed the car. We packed the whole boat up. And when we got back to my place, it was literally just unloading because everything was organised. So for that side of it's good, but it's about for me with my car. I've got an Amarok and I've got a six metre North Bank. It cost me just to put in perspective size for you guys a hundred and seventy dollars. Uh, to get one way, one way. So 170 bucks. Yeah. So we, but to not to to avoid Melbourne for me is massive. I'd I'd got no interest driving there with the boat in peak hour, and I knew the coming back, I knew the long weekend was approaching too on the on the Thursday, and people took the Friday and the Monday off to get a long long weekend. But I knew it was going to be busy going through. So I, it, it's no. For $170 split between three of us, it's not much money for the value that we got travelling across, and it saved. 
like I said, around 50 minutes. So, yes, definitely worth it, Will. It's 170 bucks to answer your question. One way. Next question is from Toby. Danger. How do we see the footy season next year being affected by COVID? Could it be interrupted? I'm assuming he means this year, Edwin. Uh, it definitely has a chance. Next season, I think he means. So it's the one coming up. It has the chance to be interrupted, no doubt. Like, how we have responded and almost the philosophies towards infection rates compared to, say, the US, for example, because that's what we're seeing with the NFL at the moment, the basketball that are both running. You, you can't compare the two because... You know, we have the number of active cases compared to the states. It's ground zero over there. So ours has the ability to be halted simply because of how tight all the borders have been, particularly Western Australia. That's the biggest challenge, if you like, that that the, the league probably faces because of how strict McGowan has been with their border control. And if you look at his popularity... One thing that is for sure is that is not going to change in terms of how strict they are because he's just about the most popular leader there's been in the past 30 to 40 years of government over there. So that's not changing. So that, that, that can be and that will be a bit of a challenge if there is what would you call it a fourth wave almost. Mm. Um, what's going to be easier this year to run with is the fact that Victoria sharpened up its act, no doubt, and... Um, Obviously, there's been little breakouts in, in New South Wales, in Queensland at different stages. South Australia's always been pretty solid. There's you know little outbreaks here and there. But those sort of states are in, are in pretty good shape, as the rest of the country is. So the challenge is obviously flying to and from the states and how all that sits. So that will always be a challenge. What, what can about change very, very quickly, as we saw in South Australia, where all of a sudden there was a breakout and you've got seven new cases in a day. And if you've got a team playing over there... During that time, that's when it can get really, really difficult. Do you reckon hubs will go at your hub? Because it was some people really struggled with the hubs. No, most did. Yeah, uh, it, it was. Um, it was a necessary evil, and it had to it be done. Had to be done for the season to go ahead. The, the only way it could go ahead. It's really expensive, so that's a reason not to do it. Clearly, the health implications are the most important. So. If you can get away without doing it, well, that makes a huge amount of sense. The challenge is, obviously, as I've said, is Western Australia. Do you, do you think players will not turn up if the hubs are put in place again? Because uh, a lot, you, of you might have you might have one or two. The difference is in in Australia, athletes comparatively aren't paid what they're paid in the US, mm. where they make millions and millions of dollars a year, and it's like we don't need this. We'll just make our millions next year. It doesn't happen with the AFL because the players comparatively are just paid far less. So and short, long, short lifespan in the industry it, itself. Exactly, all those things. So, no, I don't see that being the case. I think, um, I think the AFL would really like to steer clear of the hubs because of the reasons that we've just spoken about. But it's going to be very much at different stages. And there'll be contingencies in place, but flying by the seat of your pants, for, for, for want of a better term, because it can just change so incredibly quickly. That's the challenge that we've all got. You know, I see the, the angst around the Australian Open, but what it does do, it, it gives entertainment. That's what the mm. Big Bash League has given, yep. and that's the, that's the role that sport plays in this environment when, you know, at different stages, people have had a bloody torrid time. So I see it definitely going ahead. This is our biggest challenge this year. Once the vaccine is rolled out in a really large scale globally, 
then it will become almost our new norm and obviously a, a more deadly version of the flu, but we'll learn to live with it. But this is the, the year where we've just got to make sure that we, we get the season away. Last question is from John. Do you pre-rig your shark rigs or is it easier to buy them from the shops? Yeah, that's a good question because they can be quite pricey at times. Now, I actually bought some when I headed up to Welsh Pool the other day. I dropped into uh, Paul Worsing's Mornington Tackle World. I pulled, I pulled in there to grab a couple of things that we'd forgotten that we realised on the ferry that my burly cage was sitting on the front lawn, <laughs> which was a bit annoying. But we, uh, I headed in and Zane goes, Zane's just fascinated with sharks. He just wants to... Sh- Big shark. I said, can you get a shark rig? I said, oh, I didn't bring one. Do you really want one? He goes, yeah. I'm like, all right. <laughs> so we're, I think I bought two for $29, I think it was, two shark rigs. Now, I could have bought the wire for, I think it's like three, four, maybe five bucks. You can make it up yourself. Yeah. I would be making it up myself. Yep. For the cost that it saves you and how easy to do, you need to buy wire crimso, not normal monofilament crimps, crimps that you use. And you, the thing with my ba- making it yourself is, you can do things to how you're going to fish. Now, what I mean by that is you can, if you're chasing, say, for instance, a uh, bronzy up in the shallow water, you might want to run thinner wire and not as long. You might only want a metre of trace. Or if you're chasing a thresher, you might only want half a metre of trace with a circle hook on the end of it to try and pin it in the corner with a live bait. So you can change things to how you want to fish rather than just going to the tack store, all right, there's 200-pound wire, there's a 10-0 tuna hook or a 12-0 Dojo hook, for instance, but that's the one we're going with. That's done. And I, like I said, I did that the other day because I didn't have any gear on me, but it can save your backside buying it, but making it yourself is going to suit your fishing a hell of a lot more than what it will be just going to the sh- to shops and buying something randomly. And you can make them spur of the moment too. Like if you're on the boat and you've got your trace there and you're chasing a tuna and a mako comes up, it's only five, ten minutes to quickly make. We should have done it beforehand, but you can, or if you're trying to get it from the shops... You can't get it from the shop when you're out in the water. So it's worthy having in your crimping, uh, your crimping tackle box. Now, we're bringing it back. It's been high on hiatus for a while, but our dream boating destinations, and it's a pretty simple one this week after we've focused on it for the last couple of weeks. But Port Welshpool, um, you've stayed there. Where did you stay? Best time of the year to actually fish it as? Obviously, um, you got into the kingfish, which is... Why a lot of anglers go and fish there, but it's not the only species of fish that you can catch there. Yeah, it's it's a place that is just you wouldn't think that you find it in uh, this in this state, let alone the uh, the country, let alone the state. And uh, it's from Melbourne. You're looking at sort of around three hours drive from Melbourne. I tried to book a place in actual Welshport itself, and then I tried Port Welshport, and they were completely sold out. There are not there's not a lot of options places to stay, so make sure you be organised if you're going to go down there. And don't get down before a long weekend like I did. But I went. I stayed in Tura, which it was. I think it was twelve minutes out from Port Welshpool. So not Welshpool, Port Welshpool, because Welshpool's inland a little bit to Port Welshpool. So it was a. It was a, the reception. It's a lovely place to say. It was really good. Uh, also facilities for dinner and the likes. Uh, the pub wasn't open on the Monday or Tuesday, so it's not like it's not a place where you go in Melbourne. It's open every day. Yep. Be prepared and just make a few phone calls on the way because you might need to grab a, a chook from Safeway and make a couple of rolls for your dinner or set up for the next day. So once we got to the ramp, it was roughly... So we launched at Port Welshpool. 
It was uh, roughly to get out of it. It's probably around that uh, eight kilometres to get out of Walshpool Inlet and to give those guys a indication of what it looks like. It looks like Western Port. It has like, uh, it looks like a hand, I guess. It has it, like waterways coming off itself everywhere. It's a really cool bit of water. So you're talking about like Snake Island and Little Snake Island, well, which are at the front. So you've got to navigate through and around those. Uh, we're down that just down that way a little bit more. So you, Snake Island is is a big island, but you've got more places such as so Snake Island's a massive, massive island there that has water running off it. So like I said, like Western Port, so you actually get nice squid up on the bank of Snake Island. So you navigate out the Whirlpool Channel, and then you come into a place called Singapore Deep. And Singapore Deep, in September, October, November, Singapore Deep here is literally one of the best snapper fishery you will you you'll ever come across. And for some reason... They have knobby-headed snapper. So what I mean by knobby-headed snapper is they have they have the big knobs on the head that yep. everyone wants to catch, and they are big fish. They are seven to ten plus kilo. Like they are beautiful fish to catch. You've also got very very good gummy shark fishery and whiting fishery. Now the whiting go pretty much nearly all year round. The gummy fishery is nearly all year round. And once you get out of the actual inlet itself, like I said, it's roughly six to 10 Ks, depending on what you call the entrance exactly. But it opens up and it's not like the Port Phillip Bay heads where it's a rip that's quite strong. It does, It is tidal and make sure you do know your waterways. It's relatively safe to cross. On its rough days, if you get an easterly wind with a bit of swell rolling from the east, It'll be a nasty place. Yeah. But most of the time, it's going to be calm. And once you come out of there, we'll fish in a place called White Rock. And White Rock, which is straight... You can't miss it. It's literally straight out the front, about 12 kilometres straight out the front of the inlet, like literally looking straight at it. But the thing with White Rock is it's not the only place you can fish. I know Gwaine went down a few days after me. Lee Rayner, they went down. They fished the next rock, which is about a kilometre from that one. So there's literally four or five islands or rocks that you can fish. And then from there to where we slept on the boat, which was Refuge Cove, which was a 20k run, straight head straight west basically, maybe sort of uh, southwest from White Rock. And like I said, it's about 20k's to Refuge Cove, 10 nautical miles, and that'll put you in some of the... Oh, pitches, how do you say that word? Pitcherzeek. Pitch. Go on, give it to me. You always yell laughing for this one. Picturesque. Picturesque, that joint. It is a picturesque I'm, I'm, place. I'm happy to go I've, with Picturesque. Picturesque works well. But it's a, it's a place that if you haven't done it and you're confident in your boat, and like I said, be confident in your boat, be confident in your setup, head down there. It's not far from Melbourne. The fishing is amazing. Kingfish this time of the year, which we're currently in January at the moment, but you're going to get them from December, January, February, March, April. If the water's right, they will be there. So Port Walshpool is our destination today, Patrick. Yeah, dream boating destination. This is Real Adventures for BF Goodridge. They've made a lot of memories in their 150 years, most importantly driving you to create memories of your own. All aboard for Dometic. From first-time campers to hardcore outdoor adventurers and everything in between, no matter your experience level, Dometic. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for All Aboard for Dometic, everything you need for adventures big and small. We catch up with a Real Adventures semi-regular. We've had a bit of trouble, obviously, with uh, spending a fair bit of time in Queensland last year, Redmond, but Jim Credlin from JC's Bait and Tackle joins us this morning. Good morning, Jim. It's good to have you back, Jim. Good morning, fellas. It's been a while. It has been a while, and uh, I'm sure there was a lot of people fishing everywhere along that Murray, including Swan Hill there. Take us through a little report for us. Yeah, look, mate, we've had an actual bumper start to the cod season. 
I haven't seen it this good. I said last year and the year before was one of the best, but so far this season it's just been absolute uh, in, in all the rivers, but especially the Murray here at Swan Hill. Um, everything from um, cod six inches long to the biggest I've got a photo of is a 122 centimetre that was caught off the top on a surface door. That's a big fish. They, they have been catching bucket loads of cod in the 90s, between you know, 96s and 98s. Is there a time um, of the day to really target them, Jimmy? You're looking early in the mornings, late afternoons, trying to avoid, obviously, the really um, solid no, no, heat not, that you get? Yeah, not really. I mean, um, the only thing that uh, the last few days when we've had it around the 40-odd-plus degrees, people have got to you know, try and keep out of the sun. But they seem to be biting at any time of the day and on any bait. I'm talking normal baits, supermarket baits, <laughs> you, you know, your, your chicken and your... And your cheeses. I'm going through heaps of body socks which, when they, they put the chicken and cheese in that. So, um, but once again, too, when you get using chicken and cheese, that's when you get balls of shrimp hanging off them. And the, the fish say, well, gee, that looks all right. And, and uh, bang, and they snabble it. But um, the, the river is um, a lot of these fish have been ca- caught on a fawning river. Yep. It's been dropping here for probably uh, until this week it started to settle now. But have been dropping about the last five or six weeks, so that it hasn't it hasn't interfered with the fish biting at all. Lucky I've got guys going out after work; they're picking up anywhere between six to a dozen cod in a couple of hours. Mm. So, what about regionally, Jim? Obviously, it's fishing really good locally. What about regionally around the state? What are you hearing around the local sort of rivers, dams, um, yeah, from an inland perspective? Yeah, look, I don't I don't hear a lot. Um, from those those areas, it's mainly uh, on my Facebook page. It's mainly the people um, they send in photos of, along the Murray or um, at Bar Arnold on the on the, uh, the Murrumbidgee uh, or at Moulin on the Edwards. So I don't hear a lot from the other areas unless they travel travel out of this you know out of our area. And but there's really no need for them to do that. Yep. Like um. The, on the Edwards at Bernabeen, one camp got 300 cod in a week. And there was only a dozen keepers, so that was only a dozen over 55 centimetres. Jim, how have the orgies been in the lake, uh, in, the, in the Murray? <laughs> They've been going well, mate. They're ideally suited for a, a low river here at the moment. Uh, with the 4.5 uh, divers um, are just ideally. And um, colour ranges uh, with the clear water. Seeing a lot of lures hanging out of fish's mouth, yellows with black stripes and pinks with black stripes, or the, the, the brighter colours. Starting to hear a lot of sorry, gone. Given how well the the region's fishing, if for those that haven't really been into to lure fishing and using spinner baits, but have always wanted to get into it, it's yep. probably a really good time to get into it, given just how well the area is fishing. Exactly. It's just a matter of getting coming in. I explained that the people who haven't used spinnerbaits, you know, what to do with them, how um, how to, to retrieve them, or just on a real slow retrieve, not not a not a fast retrieve. And the biggest thing they got, you've got to think of, you're aiming at snags in the river. So, whether it be a little stick sticking out, you might have a big tree hanging un, under the water. Ninety percent of the time, there's a fish sitting around a snag. You just got to get him aggravated. So. A lot of guys just get a spinnerbait and they might throw it once or twice at the stag and nothing happens. But the guys that are really into it, they'll, they'll throw it 30, 40, 50 times. Jim, are we seeing a lot of trout cod being caught this year as well amongst the Murray cod? 
Actually, uh, yeah, Blake sent me a photo in last week of a little trout cod. Um, probably would have been 12 inches long. Yep. Starting to hear of hear of a few. Um, the last couple of seasons we've you know, heard, heard the odd one, but now we're sort of starting to hear them. So they're obviously coming through the um, from the Murrumbidgee into the into the Murray system. Um, but the brim are getting to be a bit of a they're are getting to be a real pain. They're getting to be like the, the carp. Yep. And they and they're big. Um, you know, they're around 40 to 50 centimetres. So um, obviously with the brim, yeah. you, can't take, you can't take them out of the rivers, but you can, you can take them out of the local lakes here. Yep. Um, and they're ferocious at taking your bait. So um, a lot of people are using these barty socks. Basically, you can call them on a little, like a little franger or so, and then it just stops a little brim sucking your, sucking your bait off. So. Beautiful work. Well, before we get ourselves into trouble talking about little frangers and orgies, we're going to have to leave you there, Jim Credlin from JC's Bait and Tackle. Thanks for joining us this morning, Jim. No worries, fellas. Had to talk soon. Shall do. I'm glad that ended when it did, Redmond, because I was really oh, starting to Jim, starting Jim. to lose myself when Jim starts talking. Well, I had to about take the headset off two or three orgies. times in that conversation. <laughs> they work though. And oh, I know they work. That's why I asked the question. I just wonder whether it's been um, the lockdown has just really increased the number of please successful orgy. Please take us to the next se- segment. <laughs> just, please. <laughs> it's time for Red's Review. Oh, boy. Red's Review for Club Marine. Insure your boat with Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Call and ask for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. It's time for Red's Review and we are reviewing Salt Away this morning. You spoke actually off air that it is a bit of an expensive product, which it is, and this is just for an example, at BCF, um, just under a litre is 63 bucks. So it is expensive, but when it comes to its targeted use of removing salt, which helps with obviously reducing corrosion, particularly yep. for aluminium boats, but obviously with any boat, whether it be fiberglass, there's different um, metal components that are always screwed into boats. It certainly helps with that. Yeah, I use this. I use this not every day, but I use it quite a bit. But the process that I go to using it is... Because uh, it attaches to your hose, so you don't necessarily have the pressure as such. And you've got to buy the little mixer, which is about $70. It's a little salt away mixer, and it's got a valve on it that when you shoot the trigger on your hose, it actually it pushes the mix out of it and mixes with your water to go yep. on your boat. But what I like to do, because like I said, no pressure, is I come via the car wash on the way home, and I just hit the floor. You know, I've obviously got the, um, the matting on, my, on the ground of my boat, the U-deck on my boat, and I spray it down to get the pilchard guts up and the blood off it. I, I spray the boat with, if I've, if I've got a minute and a half left, the boat will get a spray. But then I literally go home, and then all I do is salt away the boat, just spray. I stand there spraying it all over the boat. I've, I've already got the hard stuff off just because it, it does help taking away uh, the grit and stuff that does get stuck on the boat. But I'll, I'm looking after the boat. I want to keep it smicko. And then the salt away goes on. I cut uh, everything I do, the whole inside, underneath. And then I let it sit for, I just let it sit for about 10 minutes. I go inside, might just have something to eat quickly. I come back out and I just hose it off and it just falls off. The boat looks brand new, Patrick. It it does work a treat, but it is pricey. It is pricey, but at the same time, the one litre of concentrate makes 500 litres, which if you think about it, is, is pretty damn good value. It removes all traces of salt if you obviously 
um, if you're generous with how you ap- apply it. Um, it's safe on all metals, rubbers and plastics. Um, and once again, you use it as, and it's um, used by Coast Guards right around the country as well. Um, all the ingredients as well are non-hazardous, non-toxic and biodegradable, which is, of course, really important, particularly if you're um, fishing and going out with the kids because the kids tend to get into absolutely everything. Salt Away is our product for Red Review this morning. That was Red's Review for Club Marine. Need insurance for your boat or jet ski this summer? Get a quote from Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Call or search Club Marine to find out more. Ask for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. You're listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich, celebrating 150 years. Welcome back to Real Adventures for BF Goodridge, celebrating 150 years. It's time for Red's tip because I'm really warming up for my gaff this week. You've been, you have, you genuinely hasn't told me what it is, um, and that's not a word of a lie. Yep, um, I'm not and happy. And it's probably, it's probably coming at me. No, it's not I, coming at you. Oh, it's not. Well, that's, I feel better about myself now. Red's tip, <laughs> turn your lights off at the boat ramp, Pat. It's a little bit of a gaff there at a few people. It is a bit of a gaff. Uh, I say that, and I don't, I don't even know how to turn my lights off on my Amrock because they're on, on all the car. time. I can get them off to like minimal, but it's still on, so I'm gaffing myself here a little bit. <laughs> but no, seriously, you've got to turn your lights off at the ramp. Uh, you, you can't. What happens is, I'm in the car, for instance, and I go to back down, and I look in my right mirror and my left mirror, ready to go down. And if you've got lights on the left hand side of me hitting my mirror, I can't see anything. And so you, you can't see at the best of times as well. Hey, I've got pretty good eyes. You see the birds I can see. Sorry. About two Cor- kilometers. Cormoran sort of thing, yeah. <laughs> Albatrosses. Yep. Go on. Turns. Yep. Uh, but no, seriously, you've got, to turn, you've, got to, you've got to turn your lights off. And it you can't just be the only one at the ramp that rocks up, leave your lights on, and no one else can get their boats down. They stick their head out the side. It can cause an accident. People get frustrated. And the reason I mention this is because I was down the other day nice and early. Talking about yourself. No, no. I was waiting to put the boat in, and I, had, and I was two behind, and a guy... He hadn't even backed it back down yet, and a guy had his lights on, and this guy's like, oh, you can't see, he's got his lights on. This guy got out of his car, stormed over to this guy, turned his turned lights, his lights on, on, and said some words I can't repeat on, on this show right now, but he literally got stuck into him. So it, to avoid an argument and to avoid people having an accident, just turn your bloody headlights off. The first thing you do, when you, as soon as you get to the peak of your, your peak of where you're going to start to reverse, turn them off and make it a routine. Put a note on your steering wheel. Turn them off. That's Red's tip, turning your lights off at the boat ramp. It's time for the flying gaff, and it pains me to gaff this particular organisation because they're one of my favourite shops. I think they would be arguably a lot of people's favourite shop. Nike? No, no, no. never gaff, please. (laughs) Never gaff Nike. No, I'm talking about Bunnings. Bunnings Warehouse. Right. Where lowest prices are just the beginning. If you've got a price, we'll... My partner actually does pricing at Bunnings. Match it by 10%. Well, I bought last week a whippersnipper, a 36. What did you buy one for? Because I've, I've got a lawn now. So I've been, I've been doing Jesus, I, lawn maintenance. Do you know how to start maintenance. Yes, I do. Right, sorry, keep going. So, well, <laughs> this gets me to my point. Um, <laughs> a 36-volt whippersnipper. So you just turn it on. Away you go. You don't have to. No you choke, bought an electric. No, I did. I'm not going to say the comparison. I've got, say I've got everything electric now. The whole thing. Everything, you know, how one Jeez. battery fits every piece. Environment. Except for this. So you need a separate 36-volt battery. So I didn't realise this. I thought it came in the pack. 
It's a three hundred and fifty dollar whippersnapper or whatever. I thought it would be in there. Anyway, it's not. So I went back to Bunnings. So it was meant to be in there. Well, or no, it's not. No, it's not. Okay, I, if yeah. I had read the box clearly, oh, okay, I would have seen it. Sorry, that. I know it. Yeah. So I go back to Bunnings after buying this whippersnapper, this Ryobi whippersnapper, and I ask for this thirty-six volt battery, and they don't have it. <laughs> what, what do you mean you don't have it? Well, we don't have it. We don't have it stocked. How long? How long is it going to be? And the answer is, oh, it might be a week, or it might be six weeks. Well, the last time I checked. <laughs> Bunnings should stock everything, but if you're going to sell something, and this last time I checked, when I was walking up and down those aisles, they're still selling 36 volt bloody blowvax, whippersnippers, chainsaws, mowers. They're all being sold, but they're not selling the batteries to actually run the bloody things. So this week, and I, it pains me to do it, Aaron, but I'm having to gaff Bunnings Warehouse. That is pretty poor. Oh, I couldn't believe it. I was really flat. It's like your childhood hero. You've met him in the streets and he's just flogged you off and kept walking. That's what Bunnings have done to me, I've decided. <laughs> All I wanted was a battery to actually power the thing but that my I just question bought to you and is, they weren't selling it. <laughs> did you go to the desk and say it wasn't in the box? No, I didn't. <laughs> I, I was, no, no. I, I said, you know. You read it when you got home. Yeah. <laughs> so I get in there and then I just couldn't believe it. You're selling whippersnippers but you're not selling the actual things to make them run. So yeah, that's pretty it, ordinary. It pains me to say, Bunnings Warehouse, you have the flying gaff for today. Anyway, we're going to move on. We've been dribbling on for far too long this morning. You've been listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodridge, celebrating 150 years. I'm not going to whip a snipper, but Aaron's going fishing. <laughs> Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.